When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in um, Three Body Problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums, as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. Uh, it's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums, and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven-day oh. program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact... Mm. They have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back. No questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's Fiber Skincare. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist-recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to canopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. This is the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. And then the girls are taking their bottoms off. I'm like, okay, full out. China pots out. <laughs> and then the male specimen takes his pants off and we're full flaccid wiener on the beach. Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. This is Bachelor Clues and what a week. You might have noticed that we just had a conversation with 
Pilot Pete Weber and D-Man 43 himself, Dustin Kendrick, just yesterday on Bachelors in the City podcast. If you have not checked that out, please go check it out now. And you might be wondering what our episode later this week is going to be. It's not going to be Twibbon. It's going to be a conversation with somebody else. And so you're going to want to tune in for that. That will be out Friday. By the way, if you, if you enjoy our conversation on Bachelors in the City, give them five stars. Give them a little five stars for Popeye and Dusty. Yeah, leave them a nice review. Help bump them up a little bit. And now we are going to do what we come here to do in our midweek show. We are going to give you the breakdown of the last two episodes that aired this Monday and Tuesday night of Bachelor in Paradise. It is a marathon. It is a grueling process to watch all of these, take <laughs> notes on all of it, and then come back and deliver the plays of the game, the errors, the Jorge Morenos, the creatures. It's hard to pick a creature out of 100,000 creatures each week. <laughs> this is what I think about Paradise, okay, in terms of its creature population. They do an okay job throwing in a bunch of crabs. They throw in some parrots, some iguanas, these tropical creatures. That shit just mm-hmm. blends into the background to me now. If you get a creature of the week, you got to be a fucking high-level creature. you got to stand out yeah. from the cacophony Star. of all the other creatures that they're just throwing in your face constantly. And there were some great creatures. Some did mm-hmm. just what I'm talking about. So are you ready <laughs> to get to it? Let's do it. I fucking loved these two episodes i was like paradise is back baby indeed and now pace case and bachelor clues proudly present analysis of play in this week of our beloved game this is game of roses we start this episode we get a little promo there's gonna be a cake thrown in a fire we get some new intro videos Thomas is now getting hit by a football that Aaron is throwing. Riley is kissing his guns. And Lance Bass is eating cucumbers off of his eyeballs. Certainly must be an homage to Baloney Eyes Garrett. You know, our beloved game likes to have players and hosts putting food on their eyes. This is something that happens pretty frequently. Look into it. Okay, I'll just leave it at that. Look into it. And then we see, once we get into the main portion, Marissa Gunn and Riley Christian are waking up in the BBR. That's the boom, boom room. They have just had sex, or at least we are led to believe. That was my play of the game last week. And then we see Connor waking up alone. Connor the Catman B, he has had Marissa taken from him by Riley, and now he's all alone. And we see Demi getting the colorful narrator role once again, telling us who all the couples are and that she needs some new men because everybody here on the beach is, as she puts it, married. Ivan ITMs that he has a strong relationship with Jacinia, and he thinks they might be getting engaged. You know immediately when he's saying this in the ITM, that ain't going to happen. Anytime they can get you to say shit like this, these absolute statements in an ITM, they're using it. No one could come between us. <laughs> exactly. Everything's going perfectly. You know they're using that to countercut against you. They're going to use that audio you're giving them to then cut directly to something terrible happening. It then cuts not to competition for Ivan, but to two pigeons. And these pigeons have a conversation that is demonstrated with actual word bubbles on the screen. 
pigeon number one says, who is that? Pigeon number two says, no idea. And they're talking about our first intro of this episode, Chris Conran. And these pigeons were my... (laughs) Creature of the week. (laughs) They were strutting their stuff. These are the only creatures that got any dialogue this whole week. And they shit on a night one guy, Chris Conran. Look, they were powerful creatures. I'm, I'm not uh, disputing that one bit. I have a creature later on that I will get to. I love these creatures, though. It is very rare you get to see creatures actually speaking, be it in speech bubble or mm-hmm. actually verbally. But I thought they did a great job. And Chris Conran here does get 27th sand. And as he comes into the game, he is not greeted by any hosts. He is greeted by Chase and Nick at the Gate to Paradise, who gets 28th sand. And Conran then launches into this whole bit about smoke bros looking for smoke shows, calling back Chase and Nick's catchphrase on his season of Bachelorette. And Carl then says, we got two dudes that are entering the ring. This is the first open gameplay speech of these two episodes, and they are full of open gameplay speech. But here, Carl delivers us the first bit of it. I feel like they were really trying to force this dynamic duo bromance they call themselves if we don't find love we'll at least have this bromance i immediately thought they're both going to get kicked off and ride into the sunset together we don't actually see that but yeah the smoke bro chirons i was like what okay it doesn't always work you know sometimes they do the chirons and sometimes they're (laughs) funny demigods chiron i love it chicken enthusiast i forget who that player was but we all remember that chiron Great. This one mm, didn't work out. They get a double date card. They are not going to be separated, even on their dates. And Jason and Mari have an interesting conversation where they compete for who's praising the process more. Mari reveals that Kenny has basically all eggs, one basket at her, but she is, wants to keep her options open. But Chasen asks Deandra, Carl's uh, partner, and Chris asks Jasenia, Ivan's partner. And they both accept these dates. And up to this point, we thought Ivan and Jasenia were pretty much unbreakable. And this is the first time we're getting a little hint that maybe Jasenia is not as into Ivan as he is into her. And portion number two begins. Ivan cannot watch as Jacinia walks down the beach holding Conran's hand to walk away to their date. Nick, Canoe, Cruz, and Conran then enter a building where a woman is playing a flute. This woman <laughs> playing a woodwind flute type thing. An intimacy guru named Okatoli was my... Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. She asks everyone to take their shoes off. She introduces how they're going to blow on each other on this XXXL bed. And I believe that Okatali was responsible for causing the rift between Jasenia and Ivan, who we had thought were a power couple. So I think she is a powerful intimacy guru there was some dark magic in the tune she was playing the notes that were 
conjured <laughs> out of her woodwind instrument. When they lay down on this fucking bed, by the way, they all get on it. They, they're touching mm-hmm. each other's foreheads. The women lay down and the guys are like hover, crawling on them, like breathing on them and shit. And they're doing this on a double date. There's four people on this fucking bed. As if the entire circumstance of paradise wasn't fucking strange enough, wasn't hard enough to deal with. Now you got to get on a bed next to your smoke bro mm-hmm. well, and like crawl around and breathe on somebody. It was just the weirdest fucking thing. It was one of the strangest dates, in my opinion, that we've had in a very long time. You don't often see the spirit guide date in a two-on-two form. It's usually a one-on-one. We're both in this together scenario yeah this was insane the intimacy guru then has them do several kama sutra positions clothed but they're like eiffel towering almost and shit it that was the craziest shit i had ever seen the dudes are flipping those the women around into all these weird positions and shit (laughs) like i don't know this this shit had me i was just like what the fuck am i watching you're just watching smoke bros do their thing uh, Chris plays an interesting move here, a rose virginity card about how he's a night one guy. And Jasenia says he fills a hole that she has with Ivan while they do food play with some fruit and get their first kiss. And Connor, on this one-on-one portion of it, basically all exes. He tells Jasenia, like, you're it for me. And this is a, a bold maneuver, but I got to say strategically, It's a good one when you're coming in late, because when you're coming in late, Mm -hmm. if you're just scanning the crowd to see who's available and maybe I'll go for this one, maybe I'll go for that one. You can't really do that because you don't have the time. If you're coming in late, you have to pick a target, go directly for them, all eggs as hard as you can. He's doing that and we'll obviously see that it pays off. Portion three, we open with a shot of young Noah Herb and Abigail Herringer. They're lounging together, but they are not alone. Abigail is horrified and disgusted to learn that a tiny bug has been strutting his stuff inside her nose. And this bug, who had the bravery, the audacity, and the wherewithal to enter Abigail Herringer's nasal cavity in order to generate valuable screen time, was my... Creature of the week. Anytime you can get a creature who can take over the scene, that creature is going to get my creature of the week. And this bug did just that. Congratulations to the bug. I hope you survived Abigail removing you from her nose. We then have a conversation between Mari and Kenny in which... Mari tells Kenny that she would basically like to accept a date card and go on a date if someone else asks her. She's playing an options open here, an OO. And this OO was my error, 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 error of the game. You don't options open without another option. You haven't even been asked on a date. <laughs> this options open was also my error, 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 error of the game. 
obviously she had no options. This was just the craziest fucking play I've ever seen. You don't, if you're going to go on dates, for example, with other people, even if you're like kind of partnered up with somebody, but you're like, ah, I'll keep my options open. You want to do that. Fine. If somebody comes in and asks you on a date, you just go with them. You don't go to the person you're with and say, well, maybe somebody's going to ask me and I just want you to be okay with that. Because if they're not, exactly what happens to Mari will happen to you. Kenny is like, well, okay, fuck you then. I'm going to start keeping my options open. And we watch <laughs> yeah, now the, the, the fallout her. of that. <laughs> this was just, it made no sense to me whatsoever. You always ask for forgiveness, not permission. We've, we all know that maxim. And it holds true probably more than ever in paradise where you can do anything you want. Because if, you, if somebody comes in and asks you on a date and you say, yes, I'm going, and you're with some other person, like in this case, let's just use Mari and Kenny. Let's say somebody would have come in, taken Mari on a date, and she just says it. She's sitting right next to Kenny. And she's like, yeah, I'll go on this date with you. Kenny's going to be like, what the fuck? And now he's going to be the whole time she's out on the date with this other guy wondering, is she going to come back and still want to be with him? It keeps that person in check. Mm-hmm. They're waiting for you now. What Mari has done is reverse the timing of it and basically allowed Kenny carte blanche to go off and do whatever the fuck he wants. This was a huge mistake. And we obviously see how it plays out for her. I mean, Kenny says to her, the grass isn't always greener. And that does play out. I think maybe she was feeling very confident. She tells Demi she's been pulled by every new guy. And Mari tells her to make a move on whoever you're interested in. So then, (laughs) Demi (laughs) stirs the pot. She talks to Kenny. Kenny says, I'm not going to sit in the corner and play with myself. Those cheeks have been out all week. They've now black boxed Demi's butt. She says, there's my nipple. She's already (laughs) nude with Kenny. (laughs) Seconds after Mari has option opened, Kenny. (laughs) And Demi ends this little thing with an ITM where she says she wants to go to the boom boom room with Kenny as we see Mari continuing to cry and that ends portion three. First, Demi says... I really want to kiss you. Kenny says, I'll kiss you right now. And they make out and Mari produces tears. I mean, this is almost an immediate reaction to the error she made. (laughs) It's sad to see. I like Mari. She's a good player, but this is a misstep that I don't know how she's going to survive this in the coming weeks. But um, we start portion four. Connor emerges the next morning in a stunning half and half outfit i don't usually notice clothing or fashion but they made such a meal of this weird outfit that he's wearing the Uh shorts and shirt thing that is like split down the middle with the design (laughs) (laughs) do you think you would have noticed it if 20 people hadn't roasted it no 100 percent not (laughs) he did a whole thing where he's like posing on a bridge and shit with it yeah Aaron calls it kimono convict. Trey says you woke up and chose chaos. I love that line. Yeah, I mean, and good on him for getting the screen time. This is like what you should be using things like this to do. He's obviously using it for comedic effect. And then Connor sits down with Marissa to discuss her date with Riley. And she's like, oh, we just talked all night. Straight lies to the motherfucker. And then Connor is like, do you have plans tonight? I'm going to ask you on a date. And she's like, uh, okay, well, we'll see what happens. We'll see how the day goes. She cannot bring herself to just say, this is over, dude. Riley is, is my dude now. 
yeah, Taj immediately then reveals to Connor that they had slept in the boom boom room. And Connor is now sad paradise boy, says the only person who showed romantic interest and now she's moved on. Now I'm just the friendly guy who everybody likes. (laughs) And then they set up kind of a weak narrative with Natasha and Brendan where Lance Bass is talking to Natasha about getting her first kiss with Brendan and then that night Natasha offers to give Brendan a a massage he takes off his shirt she straddles him rubs him down and then he leans in and kisses her despite being very sweaty so we get this little it's it's nothing like their relationship is really producing no meaningful narratives the producers are just dropping this in here to like keep tabs on it yeah I think they're just like Piper's gonna come in at one point let's escalate this somewhat yeah they have to keep it alive a little bit even though this is all completely fake portion (laughs) five begins with that old gsj getting a date card that says it's time to fight for love he picks of course serena p they come into a dark auditorium with a dinner table in the middle of a wrestling ring and a big pro wrestling mask on the background and this seems like it's a serious date at first it's um candlelit dinner They discuss Joe's previous relationship, his experience on Bachelor in Paradise. Joe describes why it didn't work out. Kendall basically didn't want to leave L.A. And he wanted to live in Chicago. And so that was it. And then Serena point blank asked him if Kendall shows up, what will that be like? And he says there's nothing romantic between them anymore. A little bit of a heartbreak PTC here. And Serena talks about her past uh, relationships as well putting more effort into the relationships than whoever she was dating. This is a little bit of a heartbreak mirroring PTC. And they both uh, said they, they want to leave here with a relationship. Joe then LL wants her and he says that he stayed because he liked her and he wants to see if there's something more. And she ITMs that feels like they've got their footing again. Portion six, the date becomes lighter. They get in wrestling tots. Even though grocery store Joe says he hates tots and they play fight and then they make out prone. Grocery store Joe loads an all eggs one basket for Serena P. He loads love level two. I could potentially fall in love with her. Back on the beach, we see Riley and Marissa kissing. Connor B tells Wells about his heartbreak. And he says, I can now be the douchebag at the campfire with the guitar. My favorite role. He is leaning hard into his fool edit. And that, I mean, essentially, we see it throughout the the rest of this, the next episode. Obviously, most of what we saw of Connor was him just playing the guitar somewhere by himself. Mm hmm. We're really, they're making meals out of cutting back to clips of sad boys alone on the beach. The two-on-two date comes back, and Ivan loads an all-eggs-one-basket for Jasenia. However, they have a conversation in which Jasenia tells Ivan that with him, he has checks all the boxes, but with Chris, she has that spark. Spark is something that can't be forced. And she option-opens Ivan, which Ivan takes to be a dumping. And Noah plays the role of the STCO, the shoulder to cry on for Ivan and Jasenia produces tears. And then portion seven begins. This is one of my favorite portions of either episode. Carl pulls DeAndre Ooh. Canoe to see what's up after her one-on-one with Chasen Nick, AKA the Wolverine, AKA the smoke bro. And so he takes her out to the beach bed where they first initiated the relationship. This is a sacred spot for him. 
I don't look. I just love Carl. Okay, I'm gonna get a little into this, and you know, my apologies. Really? <laughs> so it doesn't come through. <laughs> he starts this kind of this weird, ambiguous speech about something he brought from Miami that he wants to give to her because he has such strong feelings for. Her. And then Jason comes over and tries to steal. Carl successfully blocks it. I'm gonna need a few minutes, bro. Okay, I just got here. I'm gonna need a few minutes, and this works. Chasen slinks away into the shadows for a moment. He comes back and he tries again, rebuffed again. A double fucking block here by Carl. Carl then cringles DeAndre Canoe this charm bracelet saying, no pressure. This isn't implying anything. I just wanted to give you this gift. He explains the charms as Chasen is literally standing one fucking foot away from them. Just watching all this. He's like a third person in the fucking conversation. And then Chasen tries again for a steal, and it's rebuffed for a third fucking time. This is a triple block. I don't know if I've ever seen this before. No, I don't think we have. (laughs) The only thing is, I mean, look, it's a triple block. A triple block is a triple block. Obviously, it didn't Uh work. Obviously, you can see, you could tell when he's doing it, like, DeAndre Kennedy doesn't give a fuck about Carl, but he did get a triple block. I, I'm just saying that exists. He made that play. Carl achieved greatness mm. in this one shining moment. Okay. And so everything that I feel like I saw on his Instagram, all the excitement, enthusiasm I had for him oh. entering our beloved game, I feel like was paid off with this triple block. <laughs> Oh, my God. I feel sad for you. This is a sad moment. <laughs> I have no idea. When I was watching it, I was like, oh, my God, is he really doing this? Is he doing a fucking triple block? I was like, this is it. This is the call I wanted to see. <laughs> Nonetheless, uh, ultimately, Chasen does pull Deandra. She goes off with him. And, uh, you know, they're going to have their conversation. Chasen says Carl got that bracelet just a leprechaun handing out lucky charms just to get that rose from Deandra. That's open gameplay speech. When you're talking about a transactional relationship or transactional behavior, I'm going to give you this gift so you can give me that rose. That's open gameplay speech once again. There's a bunch of players at the campfire. Riley asks, Where's the craziest place you've ever had sex? James, trampoline, Abigail, golf course, Trey, cemetery, Kenny, Ferris wheel. Riley, if you could have sex with one person on this beach, who would it be? Kenny says, Mari. Can, can we just and then? Can we just take a pause for a minute and, and review some of their yeah. answers? James oh, yes, Bonsall says he fucked on a trampoline. Okay, that's kind of weird, I guess. It's like, where would you have a trampoline? Why would you have a trampoline? Maybe. Abigail Herringer, she... Had sex on a golf course. Uh, okay. Then Trey Cooper says he had no problem disturbing the dead with his moans of ecstasy in a cemetery. A cemetery? That one struck me a little weird. Like, what is the circumstance that you find yourself in in order to have sex in a cemetery? Do you do it purposely to say, I like... Had sex at a funeral in the cemetery. They bury someone, and then you have sex right there. You don't even go back to somebody's house after the funeral. I am sure it was not near one of his loved ones. I can picture like you're in high school. You're there's nowhere to go. There's a park by my house. The park is a cemetery, but like we'll be in the grassy part of it, not above the bodies. (laughs) I feel like. You do not have sex in a cemetery unless that is the goal. 
unless you say to whoever you're in a relationship <laughs> with or whatever, like, hey, want to go have sex at a cemetery? There's no way that it happens just naturally. You're in a fucking cemetery. Here's why it doesn't blow my mind. Did you ever watch a program called True Blood? Yeah. Oh, it was some True Blood role play. The vampire rises from the dead. He's covered in dirt and he fucks Sookie in a cemetery after coming out of the earth. Okay. You sold me. Trey Cooper 100% (laughs) does True Blood role play, cosplay. That is also sexual. I don't, I mean, I feel like cemeteries can sometimes be like nice landscaped areas. Like you're not at the body part, you know, you're by the trees. The whole cemetery is the body part. Everywhere in a cemetery (laughs) is bodies that are dead and rotting. I don't think that that leaves your mind if you're in a cemetery ever. I mean, I'm just thinking of that, like that really fancy one in Glendale. It's got a sprawling lawn. You think there's bodies? Under every inch of it. I think once you cross the threshold of a cemetery, whether you're standing literally on top of yeah. a body or not, you're very aware of the fact that this whole thing is dead bodies. Mm, your cemetery is a state of mind, you're saying. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that overrides any kind of sexual state of mind, in my opinion. But look, to each their own. Look, Trey hasn't read the playbook. He, he's, he said repeatedly, you know, <laughs> that might have ruined a relationship. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, True Blood cosplay. Okay, and then we get to <laughs> we get to one of my favorite storylines <laughs> of this week. Demi brings a cake over to the campfire. She says to Kenny, "I know you spent a very important birthday in quarantine, which we know is forty. I got you a birthday cake." She makes everyone sing happy birthday. Mari, who does she think she is? And Demi goes, I want to show you my other surprise. Let them eat cake. Forces everyone to eat her cake while she brings Kenny upstairs where there's a sign for Kenny, happy birthday, and she gives him a piñata filled with condoms. The piñata filled with condoms. Even the cake. All of this is given to her by producers. This, in my opinion, is the power of her third audience game. She'll do anything they say. She's very funny. They put her on camera all the time. So she can get away with saying, producers, I need a pinata full of condoms. I don't even know if that was her idea. That might have been producers. But certainly Mm -hmm. it all comes together here for this fucking moment that might be one of the most dramatic, probably, in this entire Bachelor in Paradise season. Yeah. I mean, the sign was made. It was like a wooden sign. Yeah. Bachelor art department. Demi love level one's Kenny. Kenny love level one's her back. They make out. And then Mari grabs Kenny's birthday cake. While Demi and Kenny are making out, she says one person can only take so much. And she throws the cake into the campfire. And Riley says, damn. (laughs) I laughed at that was the, one of the funniest fucking moments of all by BIP, in my opinion. He was like, yeah. he's so pissed because he wanted that fucking cake. He was like looking forward to eating the cake. And then Mari yeah. fucking destroys it, throwing it in the fire. And this rage that she feels, it's like, God damn it. You brought it on yourself. 
if you just would have never had that conversation, none of this would be happening. None of it. You'd be fucking eating chocolate cake, or maybe the chocolate cake wouldn't even exist because Demi wouldn't be trying to take Kenny Brash to the boom boom room. This is of your own doing. And now you get all worked up and throw a fucking cake in the fire. You're making it worse. Is she making it worse? Because for me, this moment was almost my play of the game. This has been shown in all of the promos. It is an extremely dramatic moment without resorting to physical violence, which will get you kicked off the show. Right. You know, it's a fine line of like creating these moments, but staying. Yeah, you can destroy and we'll property, see whether she stays, but you can't touch people. It's like who was it that yeah. threw that thing into the ocean? Do you remember that? There was like a big oh, stuffed the animal. Of paradise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How could I forget? Jordan. Jordan. Oh fuck. But anyway, the cake moment obviously a huge one. And it's kind of the culmination. Well, it's not the culmination. It's just the next step of the Mari Demi Kenny Brash love triangle. Portion 8 begins with Tajwan screaming into the night as she gazes into the endless void of the sea. Mari is not okay. Her jealousy is starting to destroy her. And Marissa tells Demi that Mari threw the cake in the fire. And Demi God's reaction to this (laughs) is fucking incredible. It is deep, genuine belly laughter. This is beyond Duper's delight. This is the one thing in life that gives her true pleasure is fucking with people and winning. And she knows from Mari's reaction that she got her to throw this fucking cake in the fire that she got to her. She fucking won Mm -hmm. that game. And her reaction is just, she can't help but fucking laugh her ass off at it. I loved this little moment. I loved it so much because it's like, Demi is already poking the bear. She's poking the bear, trying to get the bear to lash out. And she knows in this moment, her move has had its intended result. It's likely going to be the story of the episode. So Demi knows she's fucking dominating the screen time again. She knows that she's going to have a better chance with Kenny now that Mari is showing this uh, side of her. And then Mari tries to go on the offensive here, pulls Demi for some one-on-one time. And Mari's like basically trying to get her to accept some kind of blame. But Demi is fucking bulletproof, of course. And Mari's like, I just think that was bad of you. You should have taken my man. And Demi's like, we're all supposed to be having sex with each other constantly. That's how paradise works. And (laughs) there's nothing you can say to her at this point. She has so utterly defeated Mari in this moment and in this love triangle game they're playing that this conversation might as well not have even happened. Demi tops it off with an ITM. She needs a lesson in hypocrisy. Mari wants to have her cake and eat it too, and so she threw mine in the fire. This is why she's the, one of the greatest colorful narrators of all time. She's got one-liners. She's, she's got jokes, like, at all times. And that's, I don't know if that's an improv line necessarily, but certainly it was improv within the, the course of time that it took for that cake to go in the fire to that ITM. It wasn't like something she mm-hmm. brought into the show. She's reacting to things as they happen. She's fantastic. And then Mari goes to talk to Kenny, and she tells Kenny that she thinks something was misunderstood between them. <laughs> she tells him that she just wanted to be able to say yes to dating other people. And Kenny's like, yeah, what's the difference if I'm making out with Demi and dating other people? That's the exact same thing. And Mari, again, tries to turn the blame table on Kenny here, just like she did with Debbie. And again, it doesn't fucking work. She comes out of this looking hypocritical. She obviously was the one who ruined the relationship. And Kenny ITM's like, there is nothing there now. 
It is completely dead to him. Yeah, he says, I know what it's like to have good things and not commit to them, and then they go away, they're gone, and you regret it. It's sad to me because maybe she did feel the way I felt, but then it became too toxic. The healthy thing is to just be done. I'm curious about whether it will be done. Um, yeah, because Mari's like, it was disrespectful that you made out in front of me. He's like, wait, so behind closed doors, it's okay? <laughs> Her logic makes no sense. She's just trying to get some footing in either one of these conversations with Demi or mm -hmm. Kenny so that she can feel vindicated in some way. So that she can even tell herself like the decision she made to have that conversation was correct, even though it obviously was not. And now begins my favorite portion of this week. <laughs> Aaron is feeling confident with Tammy while... <laughs> Tammy and Thomas walk together. Tammy refuses to make eye contact with Aaron as she walks by. Thomas and Tammy are now on this daybed, bonding over their villain edits. Thomas says, our relationship is almost villainous in itself. My entire highlight of Paradise is like, Tammy is so freaking dope. He says, if Aaron wasn't here, I would have kissed you right when we sat down. And Tammy goes, I don't get why you wouldn't, though. And she gets on top of Thomas and makes out with him. Tammy kissing Thomas in front of his mortal enemy, Aaron, was my... Play, 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 play of the game. I loved this moment so much. I am... Always a fan of villain-on-villain villain action. And for Tammy to specifically pick Thomas, I just, I was truly surprised. I was not expecting this. She creates this fight between Aaron and Thomas. And, I mean, they still give her a villain edit. Aaron sees this makeout. Someone says she calls her a dog. Trey says it's trash bag. She's displaying human trash bag behavior. She's played him. And Thomas says to Tammy, you're a villain. As she straddles it, I just, I wrote, I love this so much. <laughs> it was very messy. And I feel like Tammy, she is, she is crafting her own stories. I love it. I thought this was a very strong play as well. It was an act of dominance. It was an act of betrayal but seemingly without a care in the world. And I agree with you. Very strong play. Aaron is freaking out. She, he can't believe that he trusted her. She kissed my mortal enemy in front of me. Connor B is sadly playing guitar. And Taj is losing it. She is screaming to no one. Why is everyone trying to check me? Taj can't pee. Taj can't poop. Taj can't do anything. And I was like, what does this mean? This is the producers not allowing her to go to the bathroom, like Baylock Eye style. Or is it just kind of a hyperbolic, I can't do anything around here? I don't know. I, I mean, look, we do know that the producers will stop you from using the bathroom. They will prohibit you from doing that in order to get you agitated, in order to get footage of you sprinting around looking for a bathroom, because they did do that with Baylock Eye. He openly discussed it. But whatever the case may be, 
there was another play that happened right after this to end portion nine, and that involved the demigod. Demi Burnett takes Kenny Brash into the Boom Boom Room, and Demi's liberal use of the Boom Boom Room as strategy after she just stole Kenny Brash away from Mari, who's throwing cakes into the fire, was my... Play, 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 play of the game. Demi has, at this point, even prior to the Boom Boom Room, utterly dominated Mari. She has taken Kenny Brash. She has caused Mari to go over the edge with anger, annoyance, rage, throwing a fucking cake into a fire. And this... Taking Kenny into the Boom Boom Room is the final nail in that coffin. She now controls that narrative 100%. And I also like the fact that in this season of Paradise, more than any other that we've seen, the Boom Boom Room is really being used early in various player strategies. Mm -hmm. Riley Christian obviously did it with Marissa Gunn. Now we're seeing Demi doing it with Kenny here. And traditionally, in prior seasons of Paradise, the Boom Boom Room was something that was reserved for couples that were like nearing being serious, where it was like they've, they've hung mm-hmm. out for a couple of weeks. Maybe they've even given each other a rose. The Boom Boom Room now, though, I feel like is being used in a very different way than it ever has, much mm-hmm. earlier in relationships. And in this case, Demi's like seemingly using it purely strategically, which I loved. And that's why I give it my play of the game. I think... She wants to make love with her one true love. We disagree. <laughs> then the next morning, portion 10 begins. The women are all talking about how crazy the prior night was. And we cut to the rose ceremony that night. Kenny openly discusses being with Demi now. Mari calls him out for saying that he, was, that he just wanted to cool things off for a minute with her. And they would revisit it later. And then Lance Bass comes out to say that he and his husband found love on these exact same beaches and it's a special place for many wishes everyone luck finding their own love and we see Aaron pulling Thomas away for a talk and Aaron starts fighting with Thomas about Tammy and Tammy is ITMing tears about not knowing what she's going to do and Tammy walks out of the palapa she's about to interject and that's where this episode ends congrats Tammy on that play of the game creating this episode's cliffhanger And then we get a little tag. Riley is uh, trying to salvage some cake in the fire. (laughs) And there's a bunch of other players around talking. Carl is there talking with him about, you know, theoretically making s'mores out of the burning cake, but they don't have any materials to create s'mores. I like how Riley got a lot of mileage out of his uh, sorrow over the cake on fire. (laughs) Yeah, me too. (laughs) Clues. It is springtime. It is the off season. It is gore girl summer. The weather's getting warmer. Thank Dark Lord Palmer. And it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and cowls and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul, get those staple pieces, and I found quince. Now I have a lineup of timeless pieces keeping me looking effortlessly chic year after year. I got the cotton modal scoop neck tee. It is so cute. It is literally the first thing I reach for in my dresser when all my clothes are washed. You know those special items. If you are not like Clues, who only wears one outfit. I'm Quince head to toe at this point. I'm a Quince boy. (gasps) 
I'm a source boy, Quince boy. Let's you got no go. idea. I'm wearing Quince t-shirts, Quince pants, Quince long sleeve t-shirts, Quince pants, Quince sweaters, Quince pants. I'm Quinced. <laughs> Just call me Quinced. King Quinces, Okay. they call me. I love Quince. Okay, Quince. Uh, get warm weather ready with Quince. Be a Quince king yourself or Quince queen. Go to quince.com slash roses for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash roses to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash roses. Game of Roses is sponsored by BetterHelp. Clues. Uh, we all carry around different stressors, big and small. And if you keep them all bottled up, it can affect you negatively. Therapy is a great place to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. You might be taking care of your physical body, but are you taking care of that beautiful mind, Clues? Yes. I have benefited from therapy greatly in the past. Uh, it has helped me get through stressful experiences, manage boundaries, learn coping skills, you know, the... The whole premise of life is is kind of a, a, it's a lot to undertake, and therapy can help with that. Well, if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do to get started is fill out a brief questionnaire, then you get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists literally at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Game of Roses today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Game of Roses. Clues, mm -hmm. I've been on a mission. I'm trying to find Ooh. the perfect t-shirt. Yeah. Um, because it's spring. I'm ready to get out there. I'm ready to peacock. Luckily, the perfect t-shirt does exist, and you can find it at Skims. From cropped silhouettes to long-sleeve layering tees, there's a style for everyone. You guys know how excited I was that Skims became one of our sponsors for this podcast. They have great basics and foundations. I got the boyfriend t-shirt in Onyx. That's kind of a dark black color and the cotton jersey long sleeve t-shirt in kyanite which is kind of like a blue green and they're both so comfortable it's basically like you are wearing no nothing great for free spirit types well for all the free spirits out there right now you can shop the skims t-shirt shop at skims.com now available in sizes xxs through 4x if you haven't yet be sure to let them know we sent you after you place your order select podcasts in the survey and select our show in the drop down menu that follows again that's skims <laughs> and then the second episode begins we are now talking about week three episode five portion one we pick up where we left off the aaron thomas fight tammy moves in to intervene she pulls aaron to go talk and she takes him away somewhere where she says where no one can hear us now obviously the cameras are still going to be on them she's referring to the other players so this is actually a very strong awareness of the second audience that these other players can hear what you're saying and potentially use whatever happens in your conversation to their advantage so she's trying to minimize that possibility and we get demi colorful narrating in an itm that uh, Tammy likes two guys fighting over her. She likes being a villain. 
I thought that was an interesting uh, acknowledgement because we know Demi likes that too. I just, Demi's ITM, she says she likes to stir shit up. She likes to be a bitch. She likes to be malicious. And I'm like, Demi's literally stirring a pot in her intro video. I know. I think it's like game recognizes game a little bit here. By the way, we got two new intro videos from the Smoke Bros. Chris C. eating a hot pepper and Chase and Nick taking pictures of himself with what appear to be waterproof uh, cameras. (laughs) Tammy and Aaron have this discussion. (laughs) They look like strange cameras. Did you see them? No, I fast forwarded through it. Oh, well, you missed out. It sounds Uh, like it. Aaron is like, why were you straddling the guy I hate the most? I'm humiliated. I'm a laughing stock. People are pitying me. Tammy says, I'm trying to figure it out. What I had with you was genuine. She's options up. She's OOing Aaron. And but Aaron is completely cutting it off and says, You will regret it, I promise you, because Thomas is not a good person. You will regret it like no and- other. He I mean, Aaron is like an intense fucking person period he was on his season as a player he is in bachelor in paradise and uh i don't know i don't know if that's going to serve him well we'll find out i guess in his itm he calls thomas a corny little bitch boy a big body trash can (laughs) he's very creative with his insults (laughs) (laughs) big body trash can is one of the funniest fucking things i've ever heard because it's also like there, there is like a subtle piece of that insult that works because Thomas has built this entire identity around being big. So he's like, I'll give you that. Mm-hmm. You are big, but you're a big trash can. Fantastic work, Aaron. Um, Tammy is now crying. Thomas provides the STCO. Abigail also does an STCO for her. And she recovers and makes out with Thomas more. Jokes about giving a rose to Connor B. <laughs> oh, so sinister. And then portion two begins. Riley reads a little poem that he wrote to Marissa Gunn. She loves it, and they get a little kiss. Natasha talks to Aaron and says, Can you get your head in the game here? It's rose ceremony night. If that ain't open gameplay speech, then I ain't never heard it before. She literally says, Can you get your head in the game here? It's rose ceremony night. Like, dude, you got to get a rose by any means necessary is essentially what she's saying here. Brilliant. Love to hear it. Thank you, Natasha, for proving that this is, in fact, a game. Chase and Nick pulls Deandra and rubs her neck, reprising their two-on-two date while Carl's at the bar, not worried. Then Chase and makes Deandra close her eyes, and he puts a chain necklace on her, (laughs) cringling... A larger form of jewelry than Carl did. (laughs) Not only larger, it's like a thick chain. It's like you see that fucking thing from a mile away. It's this giant piece of jewelry. Where the fuck is he getting this jewelry? They all all just bring these tokens with them in hopes they would find love. And Jason's like, well, I guess I got to give it to her the day I met her. See, I feel like the producers gave it to him. I feel like the producers were like, Carl gave her a bracelet. We, we can get you a necklace that's like bigger, mm. that's chunkier. You're going to go in and do that. I think they tried to stir something up here. That's what it feels like to me. I have no they proof have, of this. You think they have a jewelry corner? Yes, I do. They had a fucking pinata filled with condoms. They can't get a necklace. 
I'm not saying they can't get a necklace, but I it also definitely did seem like Chase and Nick's style, so I don't know. <laughs> they have a stylist on the show that's like, okay, I know what kind of necklace you would buy, so I'll get one that looks like that. Oh, fuck. Yeah, they have one for each man. What kind of uh, Kringle they would give. Deandra and Jason kiss. Deandra openly says, okay, Jason, you said I'm going to get that rose tonight. Carl pulls Deandra and Jason says, I'm pretty sure Carl's shooting a Hail Mary, unlike his necklace. (laughs) And Chris, dynamic duo partner of Jason, says, you did make his necklace look like a little bitch necklace. Ooh, hate this language. This is who Jacenia toes over Ivan. If any of that's even fucking real, like, honestly, I think there's not a lot of real relationships happening in this Bachelor in Paradise. I think they're all putting on a show, Mm -hmm. a little act for us for the most part. But I did like Carl. The only one I feel like is real is Marissa and Riley. That seems very real. I agree with you. In this one-on-one time with Deandra and Carl, Carl starts complimenting the necklace until he finds out it's from Jason, and then she gives him his fucking bracelet back. She says she can't accept it, but his reaction is actually pretty good. He keeps uh, complimenting her and says, you know, I, I hope this experience is everything that you wanted it to be. Pretty gracious exit. Mm-hmm. I like to see that. Yeah. Or TRR. And then Deandra and Jason have a little conversation. And she starts talking about how she loves to get brunch back in the source. She's from Dallas. Oh, I miss that. Yeah. And then Carl ITM something is not adding up and he marches off into the night as Ivan ITMs that Carl is an unpredictable wild card and sparks may fly between Carl and Chasen. Portion three begins. Carl pulls Chasen for that one-on-one time and this is where we think the sparks are going to come. Carl confronts Chasen about the necklace, asks him what his necklace practices are. Does he hand them out when he first meets (laughs) everyone? And Carl says he thinks the necklace was a case of one-upsmanship and it's not acceptable. Carl calls him Captain One Upper Pants, and Chasen calls him Captain One Liner, and Carl retorts with sarcasm, that's so clever, ha ha ha. But it doesn't come to blows here. And this is like, as Mm -mm. Paradise is getting a little juicier, for sure, a little spicier, for sure. But I'm just like, I'm thinking back to the days of like Chad Johnson on the beach, or even Nick Vial and uh, Josh Murray, when they were like kind of going at it. That seemed like something was going to pop mm-hmm. off. Even the the theatrical ones, like uh, Mayor of Paradise, Jordan Kimball, and Christian, I forget his last name, the night one guy who well, came in as a human torpedo. they actually fought and got kicked off. Exactly. They've learned their lesson. You can't, you can't touch people. <laughs> yeah. This just was like, for an argument about, you know, you did some bad thing and broke up my relationship, they're just both standing there talking like seemingly cordially, you know, like a few little dumb insults, but I wanted to see more out of this. That's all I'm saying. A little more heat. The real winner of this is Demi's ITM. Both of those pieces of jewelry were hideous. <laughs> they were disgusting. No one wants that. Deandra, poor thing. She's wearing this ugly ass jewelry all over her body. Spare her. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. If you're a fucking producer and you're just like, Demi, we need like a five minute riff on how ugly the jewelry is. Go. And she just fucking delivers. Yeah. God, she's fucking good. Trey now out of the blue ITMs. When you look at the whole big picture, I realize Taj wasn't my person. And he tells her, I don't feel we're right for each other. 
It's time for me to go. So he dumps Taj. He self-eliminates. And Lance Bass calls everyone to the palapa. He's going to say bye, but one last surprise that's going to change everything. You all know what a proud member of Bachelor Nation I am, so I reached out and convinced someone to come join you here on your journey, someone that all of you will know, someone so special that they needed to bring something no one has ever brought to paradise before. And I was like, what does this mean? She gets three roses. She yeah. has three date cards. What does this mean? I, no, I wondered the that. same thing. What kind of weird game mechanic? Also, though, I didn't know that it was Lance Bass who convinced her to come on Bachelor in Paradise. That was a new piece of information. I didn't know that either. So thanks, Lance. <laughs> I mean, it, it took Look, a lot of uh, producers asking a bunch of different crowns to come to Paradise, and they just didn't know. All they needed was Lance Bass. He's got the secret magic. We have a perfect new father of lies. For real. Lance Bass. I'm just saying, he might be the permanent host. He could do it. He could do it. I would love it. You need to he should. button him up a little bit more. He's still a little rough around the edges. There's still a little bit of like condescension for the game. You got to get that out of him and replace it with reverence. And he could Dark Lord Harrison. I think he could do it. I thought this was very reverent. I thought he was a proud member of Bachelor Nation. He's always doing everything with a little tongue in cheek. And it's like, you can't quite do that. And, and get the same, uh, the same feeling of like, this shit is important. And I know Bachelor in Paradise is not the main game. So it, you can take a little liberty with, you know, shitting on it here and there as they do. But I saw a lot in him in his very short stint in the, the time that he hosted Bachelor in Paradise that I was like, mm-hmm. he's got it. Like, he's got it. He could do this. Yeah. I agree. A beautiful surprise. <laughs> Portion. F- <laughs> Not my reaction to David Spade. <laughs> then Portion 4 begins with Becca Kufrin walking in. She is 29th Sand of Bachelor in Paradise, season seven. And Lance Bass says, I give you the Bachelorette of Paradise. Notice here, she gets a night entry right before the rose ceremony, so she doesn't have to deal with the blazing heat of daylight in New Mexico. This is the first tropical royale in history. That is someone who has won both the ring and the crown and appears on Paradise. And we learn that there's going to be another rose available at this ceremony. And Carl ITMs that the Paradise gods have heard his cry. They hear his cries and they are not going to do anything about them. Oh, I know. Poor Carl. Uh, He also ITMs that a bachelorette has never graced this beach. They're playing up the fact that they've never had a bachelorette on sand before. first in history. Everyone is very excited. Aaron loads off level one. I have a big crush on Becca. Deandra says Becca can have any man on this beach. And Taj... (laughs) reacts differently to this she gets up and walks out starts crying as she's packing it's immediately obvious when kufrin comes in that she's on another level and every other player knows it you know we'll get to something that that someone says in a reaction to her handing out a rose in a minute uh-huh. but i know what you're talking about <laughs> she just looks different like she is a different level of this the power of a crown on sand is unreal And some of the women even said, like, I'm scared or nervous about this, but they shouldn't be. What they should try to do here 
is make a new best friend. Becca Kufrin yes. should be your fucking dynamic duo because you're possibly now looking at filling the fucking vacant co-host seat of Bachelor Happy Hour. You're possibly looking at doing Spawn Con with her. Oh my God. You have yes. to see that as this kind of an opportunity. But I think a lot of these players got like really scared, intimidated by her level of success and her standing within the nation. I didn't even think about the happy hour slot. That is such a good point. Um, Taj is not going for co-host of Bachelor Happy Hour. <laughs> she is not going to spend any time on sand with the coof. She ITMs. This is her worst nightmare. And she quietly self-eliminates, gets in the limo. She wraps herself in a blanket of tears, and she is cold, finally. We feel she's finally found peace. What is up with the self-elimination? She didn't say goodbye to anybody. You got really no exit speech in the fucking car. Was she just completely done? And she was like, get the fucking cameras out of my face. I'm not dealing with this. I don't know. It was very strange. I mean, it wasn't as bad as Mari's error, but self-eliminating her and Trey. I'm like, there's going to be more people the next day. You're like, I didn't yeah. find love on Paradise. It's like, the game's not over. Well, especially right before a rose ceremony where you have a rose. You're, you're staying yes. at least another couple of days. You can select anybody. You can fuck up some relationship with that. You can use your rose strategically. You can do all kinds of weird shit to throw wrenches and everything, especially if you're pissed off at yeah. the producers and you know kind of what they're angling. Or, or anyone. Just give somebody else a rose that is in a relationship already that you know like mm -hmm. oh serena pitt's gonna give her rose to grocery store joe i give my rose to grocery store joe now what do you do now who does serena I pitt give that. a rose to you know why not exactly fucking do some shit shake it up um i mean i guess maybe she was sick of not peeing and pooping <laughs> totally even you can <laughs> give your fucking rose and then leave immediately just be like, I yeah. sell at Grocery Store Joe. Here's my rose. And with that, I bid you adieu. What a blaze of glory that would have been. Would have been fucking amazing. Have fucking the three guys who don't have roses do a push-up contest. Winner gets my rose. Do anything you want. You have so much power with a rose. Be like, Carl, position. give me that bracelet. <laughs> exactly. I want the bracelet and the give necklace. Give me that bracelet and I'm out of here. <laughs> it was definitely an error, but uh, not, in my opinion, as big as Mari's. We then see several players try to court Becca at this cocktail party. Noah thinks Box James is a contender. That, I'm, I can't believe how much staying power James has had in both of these games. He's doing what he can, you know? I mean, he, I yeah. think because he helped the producers out by giving his producer By staying in the box? Yeah, by staying oh, in the box. No, he gave away a producer rose in that rose ceremony to <laughs> Demi. Demi. And so I think they're going to scratch his back a little bit maybe. But of all these one-on-one uh -huh. -on -one times that Becca Kufrin has, Aaron seems to go the best, even though the age difference seemed to be she was making fun of him a little bit for it. But um, What about Carl's? Uh, that went so well. 
yeah, the palm reading was an interesting choice <laughs> for sure. I don't know if it worked, but you know, well, obviously it didn't. I mean, we see the outcome, but no. Aaron obviously plays his one-on-one time the best. He loved level ones. Kufrin says he has a major crush on her, and that he would ask her on a date if he gets a date card. And they discuss age. He says he's twenty-six. And Koof says, "Ah," but you seem more mature. Like catches herself. And he ITMs, if I could get a rose from Kufrin, that would be absolutely biblical. So, so far, the things that Aaron considers God's work slash biblical are punching Thomas in the face and getting a rose from the Tropical Royale. I mean, I do think getting a rose from the Tropical Royale, getting the first rose ever handed out by a Tropical Royale, that is Mm -hmm. biblical. I agree with him, Hmm. unironically. (laughs) Portion five begins. Wells Adams emerges and welcomes everyone to what is only the second rose ceremony. As he stands next to the rose pedestal, he says it is the craziest paradise he's ever seen in five years of doing this job. And he tells them also that Tajwan has left. This is the first all the other players are hearing of it. And the guys at this point are all experiencing massive anxiety about the loss of the rose itself. And we see an unmasked, silver-haired <laughs> member of the production staff emerge from the shadows with an earpiece to remove one of the roses from the pedestal. This guy was also, he was almost my Jorge Moreno, but not quite. Mm-hmm. And then we get the rose ceremony. Natasha gives her rose to Brennan. Marissa gives hers to Riley. Serena gives hers to GSJ. Abigail gives hers to Noah. Jacinia to Chris. Tammy to Thomas. Demi to Kenny. Mari to James. Deandra to Ivan, which throws everyone for a bit of a loop. And now both Carl and Chasen have gotten the shaft here. And Aaron delivers this perfect ITM, colorful narration. He says he's comparing Becca Kufrin standing at the rose pedestal as she comes up to deliver the final rose of the ceremony. He compares her with her rose in the hand to a dolphin swimming in the ocean. He says she was built to do that, and I could not fucking agree more. I don't know if I would have gone with the dolphin metaphor, but seeing her holding that rose at a rose pedestal just fucking looks different. It's like seeing a pro basketball player step into like a pickup game on a fucking blacktop or at the gym or something. It just isn't the same as anyone else. She is a different yeah. breed of player, and you can fucking see it all over. It's amazing. And then, of course, you can feel it in her conversations with people. She is so intensely confident. It's way less like goofy, goofy coof that we had during um, during her season. Because she's not trying to get Instagram followers. She's already got a million. And I know Tia does. And I know Demi does. But Demi's always trying to get more. Demi's whole fucking life is give me more, 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 more. Kufrin, I think, is happy with her million and wants a guy, and she's happy with her job at Bachelor Happy Hour and just wants to fucking be in love, and you get that vibe from her. There is like a, Mm. with all bachelorettes, this exists. There is a level of kind of like aloofness and not in a bad way that they're just kind of above the games of it because they've been through it. They've been on the other side of it. They've been the master of ceremonies for a game, you know? Um. I don't know. I just thought this moment was like, it's one that is important in the history of the game because it is the first time you're seeing a crown mm-hmm. give away a rose and there is something qualitatively different about it. It is at a higher level. 
I just, I fucking loved it. And then she gives that rose historically to fucking Aaron. I think, I think it is 100% a producer rose because they want to keep him around to fight with Thomas. I, I don't think she gave a fuck about 100%. Aaron at all. Especially if she's going to go on a date with Thomas. It's going to be multiple people, Thomas stealing multiple women from yeah. Aaron. And I would even say like her psychology coming in. I bet she feels more of a kinship, more of an allegiance to all the producers than she does to anybody on that beach because she's been working with them for the past fucking however long. Mm -hmm. She's the host of an official Bachelor Nation podcast. She was the bachelorette, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What percentage of Sand at this point are official Bachelor podcast hosts? (laughs) Becca Kufrin, GSJ, Natasha Parker. That's it, three. But that's a pretty big percentage out of, there's like 20 people there. And they're probably going to dominate the storylines. Yeah. But we then see Wells delivering another butchered Tam Sig, and we say goodbye to Carl, Chasen, and Connor the Catman B, who gives some tears and a self-pity exit as he leaves Paradise. And then they give the cheers to Becca Kufrin. She leads them all as we knew she would. And portion six begins... The morning after. Well, actually, after she gives that toast, Natasha tries to Captain One Up Men pants her to love and drama <laughs> as well. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like, it's okay. We know you're on clickbait. Portion six. It's the morning after Kufrin's first rose ceremony. We see a parrot who gets demeaned by the producers by putting a rooster crowing sound effect over his beak. I almost gave him my creature of the week Wait. for this. I thought it was imitating a rooster. I don't think so. <laughs> maybe. I, fuck, maybe. But I don't think so. Oh my God, I've been tricked again. <laughs> they just have a parrot that crows like a rooster there at Paradise with them. I thought maybe like if parrots are around roosters, maybe they imitate them. I sure. guess I thought about, I overthought this maybe too much and it was probably a, a fake noise. I mean, they put hawks screeching when people just come into paradise and shit you know what i mean i think yeah. they they got yeah. this one queued up that's what i feel but speed agree speed agree right. <laughs> so everybody wakes up that morning we see aaron ordering six scrambled eggs and becca is talking to some of the other women then we see some one-on-one time with kenny and demi and then tia booth makes her entry to sand she is 30th sand and we see a tears reel from her back when she dated Colton on sand in her season of Bachelor in Paradise, and she said that she truly wants to meet someone here. She prays to her dear Heavenly Father for a godly man who also has abs. She makes no mention here of praying to end COVID. She has a date (laughs) card that says, maybe there's love at the end of the rainbow. And in this moment, I'm like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Becca Kufrin doesn't have a date card yet. They're going to give Tia one before her. And this is the first Why? moment where I'm like, what the fuck's going on? Are they going to use Becca Kufrin at all other than the cheers? That's the first moment for me where it crept in that I'm like, what the fuck are they doing with Becca Kufrin? Why didn't they give her the date card? I have no fucking idea. Maybe they only could get those naked volleyball players for like a specific period of time. And they were like, okay, we have to do the Tia date first. They also had Becca Kufrin come in at night, which is not usual. 
usually a new player right. comes in during the day. You have a date card. You get to pick somebody immediately, take them out on a day date that goes into the night. Kufrin did not get that opportunity, and I don't know why. I really thought they were going to give her a new game move of like a double date card like she gets to pick one during the day and one at night or something you know what they should have done given honor her, for crown they could have given her a double date that's a two-on-one literally Ooh. that's like you one of you will get my rose and one leaves paradise oh, i love that oh well <laughs> so um, Tia starts making her rounds she pulls thomas for some one-on-one time Demi is colorful narrating in an ITM. The only thing worse than Tia's gaydar is her denim shorts. Mm. This is a written joke, a little one-liner for her. And then she pulls Kenny. They have some one-on-one time, and they talk about how they both love Nashville and Demi ITMs, that she's confident Kenny will not want to explore other things with Tia. And then Kenny <laughs> proves her wrong by trying to get permission in this weird conversation from Demi to go on the date. And Demi is not giving him permission. She's like, I like you. But he says he didn't feel like they were full on dating yet. And now we're seeing Kenny is starting to do the same thing Mari did to him. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's so fucking bad. But he at least, as we're going to see, has the possibility of an other option. At least he's a little higher yes. in level than, than Mari was when she pulled this. Portion seven, Tia asks Kenny on the date. Mari is thrilled. It's payback and says to Demi, at least you didn't know her before and you were friends. And Demi says, this place is testing my ego. Brandon does an ITM. I'm scared myself, even though I'm not involved, to see the wrath of Demi. <laughs> Everybody's fucking scared of how Demi's going to explode about this shit. That. To me, that is the sign of a very powerful player. If people who are not even involved in your immediate narratives are scared of what you might do because some Mm -hmm. bad shit's happening to you, it's fantastic. She's controlling people in that way. Demi's not worried because she's very fun and playful and sexy, and Tia's not Demi. We went to the Boom Boom Room. Tia tells Kenny that she's scared of her. Kenny says, so am I. We get this conversation between Serena P and Grocery Store Joe, where she makes fun of his name, and then they both spell out Pit together. It's a sign. Maybe. And Abigail loads some walls with the girls, saying that Noah wants to chill. She wants a little bit more. And they don't have their hands all over each other like the other couples. I was like, didn't she tell him on their first date she friend zones guys and takes things slow? Yes. What the fuck? I don't know. It's exactly what she told him to do. I didn't quite get her complaint. This entire thing that we see then, she ITMs basically, she doesn't know why she and, and Noah aren't all over each other. And then we begin portion eight with this one-on-one conversation between the two of them where she's curious about what he wants out of their, what she calls a situationship. And he's like, I like you. We're solid. We're fun. Everyone's obsessed with our relationship. And she asks him why they're both holding back from being full fledged. She thinks they're more than friends, but not at a relationship level. And Noah says at the end of the day, it should be more than having fun and being friends. It's all this weird thing about being frustrated and They're not quite living up to each other's expectations or something. It's like this very soft entry into a breakup 
that's just like something's not right yeah. here, I guess. And ultimately, I mean, we're seeing a lot of conversations between couples where they're just not communicating well. And it's like Abigail's then like, I think I actually hurt him. And <laughs> even though she's not intending to, when really, if the problem is the physical stuff, she should be like, I know that I had these walls up earlier about the physical stuff. I'd be okay with like going a little faster. Or fucking mount him. Take him to the fucking boom boom room. The BBR is open for business. If that really is the problem, if that's the the thing that's holding them back, she should have just floated that to him. Like, look, I know that we're moving a little Mm -hmm. slower, whatever. It seems like friend zone, but I'm into you, dude. Let's go to the BBR. Always a great solution. Escalate. She has tears after this conversation. It's unclear whether they have broken up or not. And Abigail ITMs that she is always self-sabotaging. And Noah says that he's going to pull back. Portion nine, we see the date between Tia and Kenny. (laughs) Three figures approach them on a beach. There are four figures. There are two are women, there? there is one man, and there is a dog sitting in the sand. Oh, I didn't see the dog. It's hard well, to the see. Is dog with them? I don't know. Is it a stray mm. beach dog? Is it the dog of these nudists? I don't know, but there was a fucking dog with mm. them that we never see again. The dog gets disappeared. I'm not shitting you. Give us the answers. <laughs> I don't know what happened to that fucking dog, but it was there. I had high hopes for the dog because I already saw in the promo mm. it was going to be nude volleyball. And I'm like, is there going to be a fucking dog running around with these naked people while they're playing volleyball? That would have been insane. Not Maybe that that's why but. they disappeared the dog. It would have been weird. <laughs> There's more like, show us the fucking nudist dog volleyball tapes. I know they exist. I know that dog was part of the fucking game. I need to see it. The dog was in the game and then it started to get weird. Um, it's very funny because they say, do you want to play volleyball? And Tia's like, normal volleyball? A normal game? Tia knows. She's been through this. She knows she's going to be set up. Yep. It's like anytime you get put out on a date or whatever, you know the producers have some bullshit up their sleeves to make you look like an idiot. And then Tia gets her question answered. No, Tia, this will not be a regular game of volleyball because the people you're going to be playing (laughs) begin removing all of their clothing. Tia cannot handle it. She's talking about labia and flaccid penises and reminding us all that she read her Bible that very morning. Well, apparently, Tia, naked volleyball is a part of God's plan for you and these nudist volleyball players sent by God to appear in paradise were my... Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno bystander of the week anytime you have an opportunity to come into a bachelor franchise program you have an opportunity to be a jorge moreno bystander of the week you just have to do something Mm -hmm. interesting you have to do something that gets you in a promo that does whatever these players were completely fucking naked something kenny brash really only pretended to be doing 
when he walked in. And this dude has a tattoo of a tree over his dick that Kenny Brash is talking about pretty much constantly in this. So it's not only are they nudists, the guy is tatted up. They were just perfect Jorge Moreno bystanders, in my opinion. And they're going to play mm-hmm. fucking volleyball. They're actually interacting with the people, with the players, with Tia and Kenny. They were great. They get Tia to do a voluntary nudity play in front of what she calls both her parents watch the show and her Bible study watch the show. So they were powerful. And although she does do the voluntary nudity play, it is only the top half of her body. She says she will not show what she calls her China pot. I Googled this, but could not find any reference on the net of a China pot being widely accepted as slang for vagina. I have not heard this one before. Nor have I. That's why I Googled it. Um, but Tia is, by the way, reprising her powerful, colorful narrator. She leans hard into that Southern Christian girl next door vibe. Um, but Kenny does a full nude voluntary nudity play. Tia, you can say he is the full package and has the full package. Hey, oh, gang. <laughs> she went from uh, asking. Ari Leyendijk, if he has a small wiener, to talking about Kenny Brash and his big one. I liked that she reprised the the wiener jokes in her uh, one-on-one time with Kenny earlier as well. I agree. Stick with what works. Um, The gang all play volleyball and later high five. Demi... Back at the beach was like, I thought we already named our first child. I actually called Neil Lane yesterday. We have such sexual chemistry. I don't think he has sexual tension with her. Cut back to full nude bodies, all black boxed. <laughs> um, then- in the Zona Sin Ropa. <laughs> <laughs> and then as Kenny and uh, as Kenny and Tia are continuing their date, they're sitting on a blanket on the beach, and Kenny admits to going to the BBR with Demi. And Tia says she never went to the BBR because she was dating a virgin. Colton's name is invoked again here. And Tia tells Kenny that girls freak out if you sleep with someone and then go on a date with someone else. She is so freaked out by this, she then kisses Kenny Brash. And we get in this commercial between portion 9 and 10, a little promotion for the next season of The Bachelorette. Michelle Young, did you see this shit? Bachelorette. Yeah. Oh, I saw this shit. And I can't this believe shit it. was something that we predicted. Michelle Young says she's looking for someone who's going to change the world with me. We guessed that the world changer thing would be part of her storyline. And we also called that she would do the, the apple thing where she picks up the apples off the desks. Of course. That, I would like, none of that surprised me. As you said, we predicted it accurately, 100%. The thing that did surprise mm-hmm. me, the thing that mm-hmm. blew my fucking mind, is she picks up a fucking basketball out of nowhere, shoots it, and it goes into a fucking basketball net that is made of diamonds. <laughs> oh, I didn't see that. Yes. I didn't see the net was made of diamonds. The net is That's made beautiful. of fucking diamonds. I almost shit my pants. I was like, you know, we went from Tamaya Resort. Nima Cullen was like kind of opulent, but not really. And certainly fucking La Quinta was not. Now we got a bachelorette shooting a fucking basketball into a basketball net made of fucking diamonds. They're bringing Talk it back. Talk about a back. glam dunk. 
<laughs> okay. I'm just saying it seems the like it's back now. on track, you know. They're not <laughs> a diamond fucking basketball net is about as high class as it gets in my opinion. After this beautiful commercial, Kenny and Tia are making out. We see a conversation between Grocery Store Joe and Serena P. Grocery Store Joe thinks they're the strongest couple out here. Serena P. says, what would you do if another girl asked you on a date? And Grocery Store Joe, all eggs, one, baskets her. I would say no. He loads love level one for Serena P. I really like her and she really likes me. We're both on the same page. They make out. He says, nothing could get in our way. And we get the last intro of this week. It is the taxidermy uke aficionado, Kendall Long. She gets 31st sand, and she ITMs that she and GSJ still loved each other when they broke up, and she doesn't know if they ever stopped having that connection. Meanwhile, GSJ has said some very different things to people on sand. And then she approaches GSJ, who's sitting on a daybed with Serena P and some other players, and she says, hey, butthead, and then she pulls him to go talk. And that is the end of this official piece of the document. We know some sparks are going to fly, and the promo has all of those sparks, and it has Piper James showing up, which obviously was going to fucking happen. I think Brendan and Piper probably planned this before Paradise. 100%. But I can't wait to see Natasha lose it with him. If she even cares. I just don't... I feel like so many of these players are just going through the motions to stay on Paradise to get Instagram followers and all that kind of shit, which isn't really working, by the way. And then in the tag, Mm. we see Becca Kufrin being distracted by Riley working out as she's trying to deliver an ITM. This is more footage of Becca Kufrin in this tag than we saw this entire fucking episode. That, for me, was the big takeaway of these two episodes, or at least of this, the most recent one. The disrespect? Yeah, it's unreal. Where the fuck is she? Yeah. What are they doing? I'm assuming we are going to get a one-on-one date with her next week. We have to, yeah. Have to. And we will, of course, cover it. But those are all the plays, and all the airs, and all the Jorge Morenos, and all the creatures. So, Pace Case, who was your MVP? For Managing to be fought over when all of the girl players had all the power, for getting Tia to do a voluntary nudity play with him, Kenny Brash was my MMMMVP. Couldn't agree with you more. Kenny Brash was also my. M-M-M-M-M-V-P. This man had a locked-in sure thing with Mari. She fucked it up. He said, no problem. Let me just go right over here. He gets <laughs> to go to the Boom Boom Room with fucking Demi, the highest Instagram follower count of anybody on that beach. Then he gets asked out on a date by fucking Tia Booth, the second highest Instagram follower count of anybody on that fucking beach. Or maybe she's third after Becca Kufrin, but they're all Million Club. If he goes on a date. Yeah, they're all about the same. 
with Becca Kufrin, I'm going to shit my fucking pants and lose my mind. But I just thought he played this entire two-episode stint perfectly because he was set up perfectly. Mm -hmm. He was like, I can ride this whole thing out with Mari being every episode. That fails. He goes immediately to the colorful narrator, the biggest star in the show, and then another star comes in, and he's like, okay, let me go over here. It was crazy, seamlessly transitioning between them. There may be some fallout next week, but at least in what we saw here, he was definitely the MVP in my opinion. I mean, he's going from Mari, who was like a mid-season floater on Matt James is seeing, to Demigod, recurring in Paradise, over a million Instagram followers. I mean, star of Paradise last season. To Tia, who is always in the conversation for Bachelorette. She's always not getting chosen, but she's up there always. Um, Yeah, I'm very impressed by what Kenny has done on sand as am I he's the full package as Tia said (laughs) but that wraps up our coverage of this week's big game we hope you've enjoyed it and we will mention to you once again that how to win the bachelor a manual that will literally tell you how to win the game is currently available for pre-order you just go to literally anywhere you buy books and type in how to win the bachelor and you will be able to find that. Or you can look at any of our bios across all of our social media. It's all there as well. But thank you again for joining us. And before we go, as always, what is that dwab at? It has been 7,100 days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be our beloved game. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then. Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind Fiber Skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in um, Three Body Problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums, as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. Uh, it's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums, and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven-day oh. program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact... Mm. They have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back. No questions asked. You get the 
Tighter Skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter Skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's Fiber Skincare. Sweaters, candles, the dreaded bathrobe. Unfortunately, Mother's Day gifts can be a little predictable and boring. That's why an Aura Frame is the perfect gift to mix things up this year. It was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. Aura Frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. My mom loves hers. I'm throwing pictures of Skabuli and our cat up there. She's laughing. She's texting me. He's so cute. I wish I could meet him. It's the next best thing to to meeting my cat, really. You know, I love that it was so easy to set it up. I've recently learned I'm not good at uh, building things, (laughs) and I need an easy install. And this only takes about two minutes to set up the frame using the Aura app. Aura Frames are Wi-Fi connected, come with unlimited storage, so you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. She'll be grateful it's not another sweater, and she'll love the frame to see more of you. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A, Frames.com. Use code ROSES at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.